0: Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Pray with me, please. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I just pray for today, Lord. I pray for your your spirit to join us here, Lord, to be to be moving in our hearts, Lord, to take what we know in our head, make it real to our heart, Lord, and therefore affect our hands the way we live, Lord. As we've been in this book, we see that that the knowledge of the truth, the good news of the gospel transforms our, our living, Lord. Help us see that, Lord. Help us be transformed by the good news. Help us not fall into to legalism and, and just checking out box, off boxes of trying to do good things, but, but to be really exi- excited and, and zealous and to remember what you've done and who you are. And therefore, that would drive us, Lord who want to glorify you bless this time together in jesus name amen you may be seated so uh what we just i want to recap the the thesis of of the book of titus is found in his intro in verses one through four and, and it's all the book as i've been studying i see it just keeps pointing back by pointing back to that thesis right he paul writes for the the sake of the faith of the elect right and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life. And it's just like every week we see these things keep coming up over and over and over, right? The faith of the elect, that people would get saved and, and, and they would come to, uh, you know, faith in Jesus. And then you see the, the godliness of the elect that Paul's uh, concerned with, right? And the, their knowledge of the truth leads to, to godliness. And that's what we're going to see again today and then living in hope of eternal life right living now in hope of, of that future second coming of Christ and and that's exactly what Paul's going to say so chapter 1 we saw godliness in the church chapter 2 we see godliness in our home home life right we we kind of saw Paul lay out here's what it looks like to live as a as a godly community under Christ right older older men self control uh, older women teaching the younger women, uh, and, and young men being, we saw this theme of self-control and, and righteous living, godly living, and, and it almost felt a little bit like, okay, Paul's been talking about all this grace, and then he gives us a bunch of works, right? Like, he gives us a bunch of, of, of to-dos, but what we see in, in here in this book is, is that Paul always follows up, right, what godly living looks like with the gospel. Right, because he knows that just giving people a list of things to do or how it lives doesn't change us. Right, so today he's going to give us the fuel for godly living. The fuel. And he, even when we look at next week, we see him again. He gives some kind of, here's what a righteous life looks like. And then he gives us the gospel, the fuel. And That's what he keeps doing, keeps doing. So today we're going to see that the, the kind of the big idea is that grace trains us to say, no to sin, and it's it's like, say no to sin, it's an emphatic no, and say yes to good works. It's really strong language that he uses here. And so we're going to see three things today. Grace, hope, and new identity. Those are the things that enable us to say no, right? Yes. Zealous, excited. We're going to see these, these words here. All right, so so the first thing we see, the grace, grace. Uh, Titus 2.11, the grace of God has appeared. Speaking of Jesus, right? Jesus is called the, the grace of God. And he brings salvation for all people. It, it, all people meaning, right, those who uh, we know we are saved by grace through faith. So those who have put their faith in him, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So we see this this grace of Jesus has appeared. The, the grace of God comes through Jesus and, and He and He it says He brings salvation. He brings salvation right through His His perfect life that He lives. He lives a perfect, righteous life, sinless life on our behalf. And then Jesus brings salvation through ultimately through his death, right? He he dies on the cross. For the For the sins of the world, everything's poured on him he, he dies the death that we deserve to die and he brings salvation and, uh, to sinners. and so the the picture we get of, of salvation is is here we are, we're guilty. If you picture a courtroom, you stand before the father, guilty right the the verdict's been read the the, the punishment has been pronounced right? Eternal separation from God, right? Hell, death. And, and what happens there in that, in that courtroom is Jesus stands up and says, No, innocent, forgiven. I paid for that, right? He brings salvation for his people. Forgives them and, and, and declares them righteous. That's the salvation that we see. It starts with justification, right? We're made right before God. We're saved before God. Now, many people have a, a a narrow view of the gospel, and it just stays there. And what we're going to see today is it it doesn't just stay in the courtroom. It goes way beyond the courtroom. Right? Now, some people have the a view of the gospel that's very narrow where they where they'll look at the gospel, it's like Jesus died, so I don't have to so after I die I can go to heaven. Right? And and that's people's that that's this whole gospel for people. And so they they treat the gospel as it's it's a, whew, right, glad, glad that's taken care of. Now I can kind of live my life however I want, right? So they see the gospel as, all right, now I can go to heaven after I die, and I can live like hell now, right? So that's a, a narrow gospel, but what we're going to see is the gospel is, is wider, right? The gospel leads to, to godly living. The gospel is not just cheap grace where now I can be forgiven and live however I want the gospel leads to to being zealous for good works and so grace is free the, so there's a the, there's this there's this difficult thing for people to understand w- with the gospel you know because they see it's free there's nothing you can do to earn it there's nothing you can do to lose it but at the same time what follows the good news of the gospel is good works and so some people will, will really struggle with, well, if grace is really free and I can't lose it, then why do I have to do good works? And, and, the, and this passage is saying that's what happens when you really truly understand grace. Grace leads to good works, right? And so, and so the best way to think about grace and good works is that we're not saved by good works, we're saved for good works, Right? That's why the Bible says that, that faith without works is dead, right? When you're genuinely saved, when you, you understand the gospel, when, when God truly transforms you and puts the Holy Spirit inside you, it leads to good works. Where the opposite side is, well, I just get it's a get out of hell free card and I can do whatever I want. So we see this strong statement here is that grace trains us to say no to sin, and yes to good works, right? It says no to sin in verse 12a, right? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, right? To say no to to ungodliness, to to reject sin, right? I don't want that anymore. I don't want the old way of living, right, to deny it. And and we're going to look at the word renounce a little bit later and see how strong of a word. So, but it's saying, say no to sin in twelve B, to say yes to good works. Twelve B says to live self-controlled lives, upright, godly lives. Self-control again is is godly lives right here with, with ourselves. Right, upright is is before the world, and godly is is before God. So it, it transforms all of our life. And so, this is not just this kind of godly living, this upright living is not just stop doing bad stuff, right? That's typically where it ends for a lot of people is, oh, okay, I'm going to, I need to stop doing all the bad stuff, but, but it goes much further than that, right? Godly living is, is, is about love, right? Godly living is, I, I begin, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love my neighbor as myself. It moves me to serve and and to give generously and to, to be a blessing to others, that's what, that's what saying yes to good works means, right? I don't just stop doing the bad stuff, but I, I seek the good and, uh, of others in the glory of God. All right? And, and, and I love this passage this week. It really just I mean, it just communicates so well to me that this training idea, because uh, I love basketball. And so, I, as you think about this idea of grace training us, think about this. When people are training for basketball, the first thing they, they have to do is you have to learn the plays, right? You got to get the playbook. You, you, you get the team together. You learn the plays together. You study the other team. Uh, you got to learn the fundamentals and the rules of the game. You, maybe you watch film on the other team, right? That, that's where... Uh, that's what where, where basketball starts right there. It starts kind of in the classroom, but then it doesn't just end there. You have to practice, right? Uh, a, a basketball player has to get out and practice and get on that court and, and work on his dribbling, work on his shooting, uh, work as a team to to run these plays together. So, and, and it's training. And what, one of the things with basketball is is you have to in all sports really is you have to train and practice so much that you begin to do things without thinking, right? You can't play basketball if you have your head down and you're dribbling and you're trying to think about what I'm going to do. If you you if you do that, the ball gets taken from you. You know, they're off to the other end of the court scoring a basket, right? So in sports, what you have to do is you have to train yourself and practice so much that you begin to do things without thinking, right? That, where it's just a natural reaction, right? It, you, you don't even like at the end of a play you could be like wow how did i do that i didn't even think about that and it just happened but that's what happens with sports that's why steph curry i don't know if you guys have seen him play why he's so good i mean this guy just launches that ball so quick but he's done it so much he's practiced so much that, that as soon as that ball touches his fingers it's gone and he's making the shot <laughs> making shots from all angles he's practiced he's trained so much he does it without thinking and and I think that's the picture, of of what happens with the gospel, right? The gospel trains us. We, we need this knowledge, right? It trains us that. We, so we got to get in there, and we got to learn the the playbook, right? Which is the the Bible, God's word, His truth, the gospel. We gotta we gotta know who God is and and what His will is. What does He want from us? How are we to live? What's this understanding of the world and? In, in the past, right, the, the brokenness of the world, why it got this way, in the future of how God's going uh, to restore it all, right? You've got to kind of start in the classroom. You, gotta, you always have to do that, right? You're going to have to keep learning and growing in that. But it also means that we have to, to practice, right? It doesn't just end in the cr- classroom. We've got to get out there, and as we live life, what we're going to do is you're going you're gonna to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to stumble into sin, right? And and so grace is is training us in life to learn how to to navigate through that, right? To navigate through sin and and, and brokenness of the world, and and the way it, it, it trains us is it's like it's like a coach, right? The gospel says, "Hey, you failed. Get up. Come on. You're still on the team. Let's keep going. Let's keep training, right?" The, you, as we fail, as we mess up, and we get up and keep going, God's, God's sanctifying us. He's making us mature and complete. He's transforming us day by day. It, it, just like basketball, you're getting better, right? Uh, you're, you, so you're going to have to get up. You're going to fail. You're going to have to get up. You're going to confess your sins. You're going to repent. You're going to ask for forgiveness, and grace says, keep going, keep going, keep pushing ahead. You're still in the game you're forgiven, you're loved, nothing can separate you from the grace of God, right? So that, that's what grace enables us to, to keep going, and, and, and God's shaping us and molding us as we go, right? And then the trials and, and temptation comes, right? And we stay in the game. We might fail, but as we get up, right, we're going we're to get stronger, and we're going to be able to, to persevere through more, And, and this idea here is grace trains you continually. It's written in the present tense, which means that we keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep training. And so what we see is that grace doesn't just justify us, right? It doesn't end at Jesus, oh, oh now I'm going to go to heaven after I die, right? And, and, and it doesn't just end at, all right, I all right, it's not ending at Jesus saves me and now I've got to figure it out for myself. No. Grace justifies us, and it also sanctifies us, right? The grace of God actually sanctifies us. It's what changes us day by day by day. And and so grace is training us to live differently. And and now the hard thing with sin is, is we've been trained our whole lives in sin, right? Uh, Maybe if you can't, especially if you if you're a new believer or you were an unbeliever for a long time, right we're trained our whole lives on on how to the the world, Satan, right our own flesh has trained us to live sinful lives right to be selfish and and live for ourselves and do it our own way and want to control everything and so that's why it's so hard to change is because you you've been trained your whole life, to to live in sin, to do it your own way. And, and that pattern is hard to break. And so, and so I, I think the, the cool thing is here with this training is we need this, this intense, strict training that's going to, that's going to transform us so that we're able to live lo- godly lives. And one of the things I've been learning is, is, is about implicit and explicit memory. So, uh, uh, I heard a guy speak on this, but explicit memory is like specific things, like remembering where I put my keys, or, or, or remembering, uh, you know, where I went when I was I went to Disneyland last summer. Those are explicit memories, right? Where did I park my car? But implicit memory is 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 the type of memory where it's it's like it's automatic response. It's things like. Walking, right? When you walk, you don't have to remember, all right, put one foot over the other. You've been walking for so long, you do it without, without thinking, right? And you can talk on the phone and walk because you don't have to think about walking. It, it's like driving. You don't think about pressing the gas, doing the brake, right? You, you've just been doing it so long that it's automatic. That there's a, a lot of other things like, you know, riding a bike, right? Right? Or eating, you don't have to think about eating. You do it automatically. These are things that are so deeply ingrained in us, they just happen. We've been trained to do these things without thinking. And these uh, implicit memories are are the memories that are most in charge of our lives. They're the most in charge. And so we're operating out of implicit memories. And so, so that's why sin patterns are so hard to break, Right? These implicit memories, this this sin has been ingrained in us, right? The, the way we do things has been ingrained in us for so long. We've been trained in it. We do it without thinking. For example, right, if if you grew up as, as a child and and every time there was conflict in your house, right? Imagine there's there's conflict in your house and, and you just ran and hid it and hid, right? And then now, maybe, whenever conflict arises, you don't want to deal with it. You want to run and hide and get away, with, away from it, right? That's an implicit memory. You've been trained in, in to respond that way your whole life, to run from what is hard, right? Or, or maybe you, you grew up in a household where you were, were, were criticized and, and people were harsh, or maybe people at school were harsh or, or something. And, and your whole life, the way you responded was to get angry, and want to fight, and, and want to win, right? And now you're like, wow, now as an adult, why, why do I just flip flip out, right? Why do I get so angry at my kids uh, when I feel like they're they're, they're challenging me, right? Why do I? Why do I get mad at my coworkers, right? These are things that have been ingrained in us. These are implicit memories, things that we've been trained in. And so that's why we need godly training. To reverse those patterns. That's why Romans 12 two says, do not be conformed to this world. We've been conformed to this world our whole life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? We need this transforming, renewing our mind, training our mind for godliness, to break those, those sinful patterns in our, in our hearts and our lives. And, and it's difficult. And that's why I think Paul's saying, you keep doing it. You keep getting up. You keep trying. You're going to fail. But you confess. You repent. You ask for forgiveness. God still loves you, right? He forgives you. You get to stay in the game. And you keep going. And then we see hope. We see hope. Titus 2.13 says, "We're, We're waiting for a blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what God does is, the grace enables us to look back at what Jesus has done, right? We got to continually look back at God's grace, reminding ourselves what He's done. But hope is we get to look forward to what Christ will do, right? We get to look forward to our, our future hope when Christ will return. He'll restore all things. I'm training right now, right? I'm trying to live this godly life and I'm failing and it's hard and it hurts but I have this hope that one day it's going to be over. One day I'll be perfected, right? And so therefore I can, I can have the, the encouragement to, to press on, keep going, right? One day Christ is going to return. I won't have to do this anymore. But I have something to look forward to. I have eternity to look forward to. And, it, and the idea here is, is that we wait, this idea of waiting is we keep waiting. This is a, a pre, it's written in the present tense, which means we're continually waiting. So we keep training. We keep waiting. We're living between grace, God's grace, Jesus' death and resurrection, and glory, right? The second coming of Christ. The restoration of all things. And, and, the, and the, beauty, the beauty here is, is we see kind of grace is kind of pushing us, into godliness, it's pushing us forward, and hope is pulling us, right? God's pulling us towards himself in hope, and so we have this this push and pull that enable us to to live these godly lives right now, right? That's the the fuel that God gives us. (laughs) That's the grace that we need to live each day, right? We got the grace pushing, the hope pulling us as we wait. As we train. And hope, it, it's, not, it's not like we typically think of hope as like, well, gosh, I hope, right? That's how, how we typically think of hope. Well, I hope it all works out. But hope's not speaking, spoken like that in the Bible. Hope is speaking of something that is, that is sure, it's guaranteed, it's promised. And, and that's what we look forward to, right? We look forward to the, the hope of Jesus Christ's return. The last thing we see is new identity. New identity. In 2.14, it's, it's talking about Jesus. It says, Jesus, it gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So we see that we're saved from, right, lawlessness. We're saved from doing our own thing, rebellion to God. And we're saved for... Right, good works. People who are are zealous for good works, it says. So we're saved from and for. Again, there's always this 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 purpose that we're we're saved for good works. We're not saved by them. We're saved for them. And we're given a new identity. We're called a people for His own possession. Right, we belong to God. You are not your own. You belong to God. You are bought at a price if you're in Christ. And so I love this, all right? So think about what we've seen now with grace. It starts in the courtroom. Guilty before God, right? We deserve hell, and and God justifies us. He he declares us innocent in Christ. And then grace transforms us, right? It it sanctifies us. It, It gives us the fuel for godly living. But then it goes further than that. And we become a people of God. It it goes into adoption. We get adopted into the family of God. So God brings us all the way in to relationship with himself. Right? Jesus is is cut off from the Father so that we can be brought into relationship, into the family of God. We become a a people for his own possession. Right? Next week we're going to see we're called heirs. We're called heirs. We're brought into the family of God. So our new identity in Christ is that we're a child of God. We're a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I I just, I mean, think about that, right? He brings these, he purifies these lawless rebels, lawless rebels, and brings them into his family. No one does that. No one does that, and he makes us zealous for good works. That word "zealous" is a is a powerful word. It's fanatical, passionate, intense devotion. If you remember, Jesus it, Jesus was zealous for his father's house, and when we and when we look at the life of Jesus, when he comes when he first comes to the temple, he, he comes at over during Passover, and there's a a ton of people uh, selling uh, sacrifices in the place where the Gentiles were to come to worship God and and pray. He says that they turned his father's house of prayer into a den of robbers. And Jesus is zealous. And what what does he do? It tells us he makes makes a whip, begins driving people out, and he's turning over tables, right? That's zealous. That's the word it's using. So it's not like oh yeah, I'm going to start doing some good things. It's like, no, you're zealous. You're flipping over tables. You're you're training. You're you're going after it. If you want to think, if you, maybe you're trying to connect that word zeal, what zealous looks like, think about Black Friday, right? Walmart, the doors open to Walmart and people zealously go in there and pop a dog pile on the pile of TVs that are discounted, right? And they're fighting, punching old ladies and little kids and that's zeal 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 it's foolish zeal but it's zeal right it's passion it's crazy and, and that's what what god's purchased the people that are going to be so zealous pursuing good works so and, and i think that the new identity is really man when you really get that new identity like i'm a part of the family of god i'm a, i'm a child of god now i i love jesus I want to love others. I want to bless and serve people. That's what he's calling us to do. All right. So that's what grace is doing. It's it's training us to passionately abandon sin, renounce sin, and to be zealous on the other end now for good works. And so I was uh, I was driving home on Wednesday, and so I, I, I'm kind of always thinking about this stuff, and it, and it really it really hit me about Wednesday about what this is saying right uh, uh, this idea of uh, there's this kind of opposite ends of renouncing sin and 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 being passionate zealous for good works right it, i i remember when it clicked in my head I, I was driving in my car and i i literally yelled like no renounce sin and be zealous for good works right in my head, I was saying, say no, say yes. It, it was like I, it clicked into my head. How amazing is this that we get to be part of the family of God, right? And, and the family of God is so much better that, that I can, and I wanted to almost bring something up here. In my head, I was thinking, get it like a sledgehammer and just smash something, let that sin. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's saying. This that That grace is so much better that you just, destroy sin. So the word renounce, let me just tell you what it is. It's to formally declare abandonment of a claim, right, or possession, right? It's to renounce a claim of the crown or, or renounce someone as father, mother, or child, which is really hard, you know, huge language. It's re- renouncing a family member. It's abandon, disown, spurn, reject, shun. So it's almost like you're saying. I'm not part of that family anymore, right? I got a new family, and so I don't care about that that anymore, right? It's not as good. It's it's garbage, and that's what that's way uh, he's speaking of of sin, right? And so it's it's pa- and then it's passion the other way. So so here's some examples. So I, I want to annihil- annihilate lust in my life because I want to treat women as 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 sisters of Christ and I want to protect them right it, it, maybe it goes to uh, I want to man I I know I have this greedy heart that naturally just it's about me and I want to I want to crush that 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 greed in my heart and I, I want to be zealous for for being generous right maybe maybe I just got selfishness and so I want to get out of that selfishness I want to renounce selfishness And be passionate about serving others. That's the picture he's given. And it's all because of grace. It's all because of adoption. It's all because we're the people of God. Children of God. And it means uh, we disown sin because grace is so much better. God's love is so much better. That stuff, it couldn't satisfy me. It left me empty and longing for more. And Christ fills me up and, and gives me hope and forgives me and, and begins to change my life. And that's, that's amazing. And so I destroyed sin and, and throw it in the trash. 2 right? Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? The old, The old is gone. The new has come. I want to stay in the new. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Like, my old life is is dead. It's buried. It's on the cross. The life I now live, I live by by faith. And Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me, right? Out with the old, in with the new, because the new is so much better. Right? And new stuff is so much better, right? When you get something new, you don't want the old one anymore right? If you watch kids, if you get them a new toy, they don't care about the old toy anymore. They're playing with the new one, right? You get a new car, you don't want to drive the old car with with rusted out floorboards and misfiring and and rips in the seats and no AC, leaking oil everywhere. You want the new, right? That's what he's saying. The new is better. And so grace trains me to, to live right right now between grace and glory grace is pushing me it's training me hope right is drawing us closer to Christ God is has given us this new identity right so that we can renounce sin and come into a family that's so much better and when you get that i think you'll you'll have that moment right where when I was in my car, I, I was literally I yelled. I was yelling in my car, like when I got it. I'm I'm part of the. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God, loved and accepted, although I was a a lawless rebel, wasn't even looking for God, wasn't trying to do anything good. But He saved me. So, just encourage you to. I mean. I want you guys to think about that, right? Dwell on that, right? That you're part of the, uh, your identity as a child of God, citizen of the kingdom of God. And and I would, uh, in, in in my head all week I've been saying, no, renounce sin. Renounce sin. Be zealous for good works. Be thinking about that. Dwell on those that idea, right? Renounce. Think about how strong a word that is. And, and be zealous. So let me pray. Lord Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that You would take this, these, these ideas that we have here, Lord, that we might understand in our in our head, Lord, but it's up for your, up to You, Your Spirit, to make it real to our hearts, Lord, for that the the good news of the gospel to sink in, for the idea that we're we're children of God to sink in, and and for us to see how much better life with You is, Lord. And how it, we're, it true, we truly are more blessed to, to serve and give our lives to others than to, to live selfish lives. Transform us, Lord. May we renounce sin. May be, we be zealous for good works. Help us grasp in your grace as we, as we press forward in life. In Jesus' name, amen.